Good morning. Good morning, one and all. This is Young Persons Radio, home to uh, Radio Free Blood. I got that backwards. Oh, boy, the show's starting off great. The show's starting off fantastic. Uh, Young Persons Radio, right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, this is your host, Colby Smith, uh, joining you from now until 11 a.m. for the next hour, right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. And we Oh, boy, do we have a packed show for you today. An absolutely packed show. Uh, this is, well, well, what to say? Well, you know what? But, but speaking of Radio Free Brooklyn, before we get, before we get underway here this, uh, this morning, <laughs> I want to uh, read, is this Radio Free Brooklyn? I know we have a lot of listeners joining us from uh, all over the country this morning. It's the top, this is the top 10 show, man. It's the top 10 show on the old airwaves. Uh, so instead... Uh, I, I, I want to uh, do, first to begin with an announcement for our local audience, which is that Brooklyn Pride turns 21 this year with a theme of equality, no exceptions. There are great events during Brooklyn Pride's week, which is June 5th to 10th, a documentary of the first openly trans FDNY firefighter, queer comedy, and a full day of activities on Saturday, June 10th. That's next weekend. That's next Saturday. Uh, and uh, tomorrow is the first day of Brooklyn Pride Week, June 5th, uh, so, uh, you know, join us for that. Uh, there will be a 5K in Prospect Park on uh, Saturday, June 10th, then a festival, entertainment, family space, and parade all on Fifth Avenue. So check out our full week of events and learn about getting involved on our website, uh, brooklynpride.org. Um, I want to tell you all that this is Young Persons Radio, as you know. I am your host, Colby Smith. And this, oh, guys, this is the, I say this every week, and this week, it is true. This is the only show on the airwaves where you, are the, you the listener, are guaranteed, guaranteed to be cooler than the host. That's right. And boy, is that ever true today. There is about to be a level of nerd on display that would silence even the most devout Marvel Universe dork. Uh, or I guess DC Universe dork, since this is uh, this is Wonder Woman weekend, right? This is Wonder Woman weekend. Um, so I just want to uh, tell everybody that uh, today's a special kind of show. Today's a very special kind of show. Uh, usually, you know, this is a comedy show. Usually I have a guest or two in here. Last week we had three in here. We'll take some calls and have some yucks. But on the first Sunday of every month... We try and mix up the format a little and see what else we can do. And today's show is an idea that I've had for a while, uh, but I've held off on doing it because, uh, number one, I knew it would be a lot of work to get it right, and also uh, the occasion I don't think was quite there. But um, as many of you know, on May 23rd, uh, we lost uh, the actor Roger Moore, who, uh, who played James Bond in, in seven movies, which just off the top of my head were Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, The Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, and A View to a Kill. And he was one of my all-time favorites. So I thought the time was finally right for this idea. So today, as at least a partial tribute to Roger Moore's life and career, I will talk about nothing but James Bond on the air for the next hour. That's right. We're calling this, uh, we might have a little help from others, but regardless, we're calling this episode the One Man James Bond Marathon. And you are, of course, more than welcome to call in at 904-606-0842 to share your James Bond stories. That's 904-606-0842, and I want to hear them. Uh, but we've got a packed show uh, today, so for now, I'm, I'm going to share uh, some of mine. So, uh, so let's kick things off 
uh, right away. Without further ado, we hereby present the Young Persons Radio, one man, James Bond Marathon. And our tech isn't working today. Our tech isn't working today, guys. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That, uh, that is something. Listen, okay, listen, listen. One thing I want to tell everybody, you know, I want to present my, uh, you know, because it's like, it's like, okay, Colb, you say you're, you say you're this big James Bond fan. Prove it. That's, I'm sure that's what all the listeners were thinking. Uh, you know, prove it. Uh, yeah, I, I just, you can't just say it. You got to back it up somehow, right? Uh, so I will, I have, pro- I will, I will, these are the 10 credentials that I have as a Bond fan. And I was hoping to have some, uh, some little sound effects to go with each one. But uh, the, the computer's not working here in the studio, which is totally fine, totally fine. And it's not like, uh, it's, it's, it's just great. We got, we got a packed show regardless of, uh, of what's going on here. So uh, number one, my credentials as a Bond fan. There are 10 of these. The first is as follows. Number one, I have bought every one of these movies at least three and others four and five times. Once on VHS, then on special edition DVD, then ultimate edition DVD, and then I got a bunch of them like, for Blu-ray, uh, like on Blu-ray on, for Christmas from a relative on, in like 2009. And then in 2015, very recently... I picked up For Your Eyes Only and From Russia With Love on limited edition Steelbook Blu-ray, which was a Best Buy exclusive. Just a Best Buy. Found a Best Buy, got the movies. That's number one. Number two, despite the fact that James Bond was my high school's homecoming theme, one year nobody knew what I was doing when I celebrated by wearing a full suit to school, and more than one person said, what are you supposed to be, a Republican? And then I was going to have a little clip that's like, Oh, I, guys, I am so mad that the tech is working. Number three. In 2010, I went to London with my family and made my mother take my picture in the exact spot where, on the River Thames where George Lazenby, star of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, shot his promotional photos for that movie, only to get mad at her when the photos developed because mine wasn't framed exactly like the ones of Lazenby. (laughs) Number four. In middle school, I once got into a physical fight with another kid because he insinuated that Jack Bauer of Television's 24 was tougher than James Bond. And that is true. Number five. Okay, so, so in 1991, right, the Criterion Collection put out copies of the first three James Bond movies, which were Dr. No from Russia with Love and Goldfinger, on Laserdisc, which, if anyone doesn't know, were basically DVDs that were the size of vinyl records, uh, the Laserdiscs. Now, these Laserdisc releases contained feature-length commentary tracks that stitched together interviews from all the main players uh, involved behind the scenes in these first couple movies, including director Terrence Young, screenwriter Richard Maybaum, uh, production designer Ken Adam, editor Peter Hunt, uh, and so on. However, shortly after they were released, the James Bond production company, which is Eon Productions, owned by the Broccoli family, uh, asked Criterion to pull them from the market, obviously making the Laserdiscs a sought-after collector's item, uh, but also essentially erasing those commentary tracks from the series on record oral history uh, until 2015, when one of the Bond fan sites managed to rip the commentary tracks from the Laserdisc releases 
and make them available for download, which I uh, did. I downloaded them, and now I keep them on my iPod. Ba-da, ba-da. <laughs> it's almost... I got us. Maybe it's a blessing that, that that the computer's not working because uh, uh, it's almost more fun to do this uh, the song myself. Uh, number that was number five. Number six. Speaking of collections, uh, we all know uh, every New York City apartment has very little space, right? Yes, this is something we know. Yes, okay. Well, despite this, I have found in my apartment, uh, I found room for the following items, despite this dearth of space. The first 20 films on Ultimate Edition DVD, including From Russia With Love and For Your Eyes Only, Unlimited Edition Steelbook Blu-ray, which were a Best Buy exclusive. Two James Bond coffee table books. Um, uh, one is Bond on Bond by Roger Moore. And the other is the James Bond The Legacy by John Cork and someone named Bruce Scavalli. Uh... So we'll uh, th- those are those are great, and I gotta say, uh, those are uh, those are fun. Those are fun. I also have the ultimate edition or uh, the ultimate James Bond fan book by Deborah Lip, a hardcover copy of Ian Fleming's Moonraker novel, a vintage edition of Life magazine from 1967 with exclusive onset photos of You Only Live Twice, a little Aston Martin DB5 car that sits on my dresser, and of course. A pack of Moonraker trading cards from 1979 with the stick of gum still inside, which I found uh, as, a, uh, as a little Easter egg at a convention. Number seven. In 2014, I spent 80 pounds sterling on a seafood dinner at Scott's Restaurant in London just because Ian Fleming used to eat, eat there. Number seven. And number eight. And it wasn't even the original location. Ba-da-ba-da. <laughs> Number nine, on that same trip to London, I visited the London Film Museum just, uh, just for an exhibit called Bond in Motion, which had all the James Bond cars on display, and I then made my friend Ingrid walk with me all the way to the River Thames so I could properly recreate the George Lazenby photo that my mom had messed up back in 2010. Number nine. Number ten, my final credential as a James Bond fan. I, I, like many uh, 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 folks in their 20s, was, uh, was introduced to the James Bond series through the GoldenEye video game for Nintendo 64 when I was like nine, probably. Uh, and uh, we, we, click, we quickly, uh, you know, got a, uh, got a copy for ourselves. And, uh, you know, we're playing it a little bit. And quickly, my mother discovered that uh, she did not approve of the uh, shoot-em-up nature of the game and all of the blood and everything that she would see on the little blocky little graphic characters uh, and uh, said I wasn't allowed to play it anymore because it was rated uh, T for Teen. And so I said, well, by that logic, on my 13th birthday, I should be able to, uh, to play Goldeneye again. And she's like, yeah, I guess you're right. Just expecting me, expecting me to, you know, in the next four years not remember that I had, uh, that I had <laughs> made this, this promise. Uh, but, uh, but, oh, boy. Boy, oh boy, did uh, was she wrong? Because <laughs> uh, four years later, literally on my thirteenth birthday, I uh, uh, dug out the NC. It wasn't even hooked up. I had to dig it out and like figure out how to hook it up to the TV, and I played it all day. And it wasn't just to spite her; it was genuinely for me. <laughs> so, 
so that's uh, that's that. Those are my ten credentials uh, uh, as a Bond fan. Um, I should also mention that uh, you know, since we're talking about James Bond, we're going to talk about Roger Moore a lot uh, today. Um, I uh, the the definitive ranking for me of uh, the James Bond actors is, of course, you know, you can't say Connery's not number one. Sean Connery uh, was the original who played uh, played James Bond. Um, uh, he's uh, he's there. Um, so uh, uh, then after that, Pierce Brosnan, and then Roger Moore, uh, and then Timothy Dalton, then George Lazenby, and then uh, 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 Daniel Craig. I'm a, not a huge, huge, huge Craig guy. But guys, they're, they're a big part of the show today. So, uh, you know, we're, we're going to pay tribute to Roger Moore's life because uh, he, he is still, I think, he, uh, despite, you know, his tenure as Bond, is still fairly an underrated um, actor. So uh, I want to bring on... Um, uh, to the to the studio or to the show now. Uh, I want to welcome a guest to the program uh, who is who is on the line, uh, who I'm excited to have here. Uh, under the moniker head of section, he's been the host of Being James Bond podcast for almost 11 years now, uh, and I have been listening for almost that long. I was 15 years old when I found the show around the holiday season um, in 20 in 2006. So in many ways, it's very exciting uh, for me to talk to this guy, and that is uh, Joe Darlington. Uh, Joe, welcome to Young Persons Radio. Can you hear me all right? Colby, you're making me feel pretty old, but thank you for the warm welcome. <laughs> uh, Joe, it's really exciting. Thank you for uh, being here. I know you have a long day of shooting ahead of you. That's okay. No, it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to talk to you finally. Yeah, absolutely. So for people who uh, uh, who don't know uh, the show, could you would you start off by describing uh, being James Bond a little bit? Uh, absolutely. Being James Bond is essentially a lifelong fascination with uh, all things James Bond and just wanting to do all the things Bond does. You know, when we're, we're young, we, we see James Bond traveling and, and doing all these exciting things and pretty much anything Bond can do. It's like, uh, we just want to do those things. So it's, it's kind of learning and exploring and trying to figure out how we can be a little more like Bond. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that I always kind of responded to uh, about your show uh, was that you, you have this sort of very keen sense, I think, of what makes the Bond movies special to a lot of people, I mean, at least to me. You know, it's not just kind of like the, the tropes that we all recognize, like the, the, you know, the sex and the action, although, of course, those are both part of what make the series so fun. But, you know, it's, also, it's the travel and the food and the fashion and the gambling, and Bond is this, like, this almost like very multicultural figure who's like, he's very curious about the world and eager to like, engage in it. Uh, and I think it's because you kind of pull all those aspects together that I, listening to your show always kind of felt a lot like watching the movies to me. Sure. I, you know, it, sometimes it's a... Like I said, especially when you're younger, you watch this and you think, this is life. This is what life is all about. You know, these are the things I want to do. You know, Bond gets to see the world and, and travel and, and absorb cultures. You know, and again, I always say that, uh, you know, when Bond goes someplace, he doesn't just sort of order a beer. You know, he orders uh, whatever the locals are having or, mm -hmm. or he orders food that the locals are having. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a you you immerse yourself in a whole different world. It's it's really amazing. Yeah, it's it's really great. So speaking of the podcast, your most recent episode is is similar to what we're doing here today, which is a tribute to Roger Moore. Uh, and I I really love that episode. I thought you guys did such a great job of just talking about what he brought to the to the series and and some of his life outside of yeah. uh, the Bond series. Uh, would you would you mind just for our listeners just kind of talking a little bit about Moore's standing among Bond fans and kind of what he brought to the character as a whole? Uh, yeah, absolutely, and thank you for that, by the way. Um, yeah, it, it is funny because Roger Moore is, he's a guy who came along, you know, 
I went, like you, I was about, um, I was in my early uh, 12, 13 when I first discovered James Bond and Roger Moore was James Bond. That's the only James Bond I knew. And of course, you know, uh, my father and other people would say, you know, Sean Connery, he's the guy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I, you know, looked at Sean Connery and I, I couldn't get used to James Bond not being a nice guy. Yeah. Roger Moore was like the nice guy, James Bond. And it's funny, too, and he, he also is kind of a divisive Bond, I'll say, because I think so. you know, a lot of guys, like, they want the seriousness of Sean Connery or Daniel Craig, mm. and Roger Moore was a more lighthearted James Bond. And, but, and sometimes, you know, people don't like that. But you know what? I've kind of come to understand it. I don't think we would have James Bond today had it not been for Roger Moore. You know, Bond had to change with the times. You couldn't just mm. crank out one spy movie after another and expect people to keep coming. Roger Moore really answered the, uh, you know, a, a different era. You know, he, he sort of came along when people were ready for something a little different, a little lighthearted. So I don't know that we would have what we have today. I don't think we'd have Daniel Craig or some of the great films today if it wasn't for Roger Moore. I, so, I, I yeah. I think, um, you know, it's, I uh, I completely agree. I think one of the things for me is like, especially like we have the the uh, we are fortunate enough now to be at this point where you know the the series has been going on for so long that there's essentially there's a James Bond for everybody at this point. Whether you like the kind of lighter fare right. of like more Brosnan and, and sure. to like the the more serious the like Dalton Craig Connery side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely too. You you know James Bond is really a cultural phenomenon, and I think people sort of say that. You know, we sort of take that for granted, but it really is true because when you watch the the Bond series evolve and change, it really did reflect the times. I mean, again, we have we have these films today because they they were able to sort of grow and change as our culture changed. I mean, it's hard to imagine this was a character that was created in the early fifties. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 fifty plus years later, we're still watching James Bond films, and it, and and you say to yourself, how could that be? This is a character that was sort of created in the times of like. You know Humphrey Bogart and Cary Grant. Uh, so yeah, it really had to evolve. So when you watch the films over the years, they, they really do reflect the times. I mean, it is kind of a it's 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 like a time capsule in a way. Yeah, I you know it's it's funny. Uh, I have a couple questions about Octopussy later on because uh, I know you and I both have a <laughs> a real affinity for that one. Um, but you know, I watched yeah. it uh, with a couple friends on uh, this past Friday night because they had never seen like a Roger Moore one, and that was the one that I. Uh, uh, that I picked, and I, I just think that, that, you know, it's so funny. There's something so 70s about his James Bond. It's weird to think that that movie came out in 1983. Right? It, it is kind of funny, you know. Um, you know, it's funny. You know, I've always heard people say that, you know, Connery, you know, the early James Bond films are so, they're timeless because they were so classic because even though they, they came out in the 60s, his style really reflected, like, the 50s. Mm-hmm. And it was like he didn't sort of fall for the 60s, you know, uh, tricks. But then you know, they sort of leapt, like, almost, you know, over the 60s and into the 70s with yeah. the safari jacks <laughs> yeah. and things like that. I know. You know? There was a... There was a, uh, there was a, I, I guess it was like more than a year ago now, but they, uh, one of the theaters in the city was doing, like, a, a Christopher Lee uh, series. And they did a, a midnight right. showing of uh, of uh, the man with the golden gun that I went to, and uh, the oh, cool. if you watch that uh, like next to like from Rush with Love or something, the the leap in just like the look of them is it's incredible. It's so shocking. It's like 
Right. <laughs> totally, right? Uh, but more, I think, more, yeah. he's, you know, I, he's one that uh, uh, I, I've sort of only appreciated more and more as I've, uh, I've kind of gotten older. And I, he seems to me to be like, he's the only actor who I think enjoyed being James Bond. Yes, very much so. I, you know, it's funny. You're absolutely right. A lot of the actors have sort of a love-hate relationship playing Bond. You know, they, they do it, and they're, they're wildly successful, but then they kind of they don't want to get pigeonholed or they want to be a serious actor. Roger Moore really enjoyed being James Bond. I yeah. absolutely agree with that. Um, he was the guy, and if you hear interviews and people talk about him, he was, the, he was always fun to be around. He was always keeping the set light. He was always cracking jokes. Yeah. You know, for a guy who... It's kind of funny for a guy who looks like he would sort of epitomize, you know, old upper crust snobbery. Yes. <laughs> he actually was very down to earth. He was a very down to earth kind of guy. Yeah. There's the, there's the, you know, the, there's a picture that's kind of been floating around since he's, uh, since his death of him uh, on the set of The Spy Who Loved Me. It's him and Cubby Broccoli serving food to the crew. Right. Yeah. It's that kind of stuff. Is like I mean, it's amazing. Like I said, it's, it's, he, he was really just a fun guy to be around. He was always cracking jokes, yeah. really light. Yeah, he was re- really a terrific guy. And again, you know, it's sad that he's passed on, but if you think about somebody who's had a rich, wonderful life, mm. it, it's got to be Roger Moore. Oh, yeah. First yeah. of all, I mean, he's, he's doing, he's, he's being James Bond. He's going to all these places and doing all these great things, and, and he's just enjoying his life. I mean, it, it just, he really was having a great time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it comes across. I mean, because just something that struck me watching Octopussy the other night was like, it's not only like you can see how much fun he seems to still be having doing it, like six, you know, six movies in at that point. But it also at that point, like he right, just seems yeah. like it just seems like his Bond is having a good time, like being James Bond. You know what I mean? Like, oh, totally. Like the character loves yeah. his life. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah, you know, it's like. You know, we talk about, you know, how Roger Moore sort of evolved, you know, how his take on James Bond evolved. And, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people would say that when he started off, he was, he was, you know, I've always heard people say that Connery was a guy who was gruff, so you had to lighten him up to be James Bond. Roger Moore was a guy who was light in general, so they yeah. had to sort of toughen him up, you know, make him a little more for him to be James Bond. And you can see that in the earlier films. They were trying to make him more serious and a little more, you know, and then by the time he, he moves along, he starts to just sort of settle in and just enjoy a little bit more. And you're right. By the time a view to a kill comes around, he is just having a good time. <laughs> yeah. I almost feel like that's kind of, he, he's, it's almost like he stopped trying to play James Bond and just sort of played it as Roger. Moore. Like, <laughs> this is Roger Moore playing. You know what I mean? I know those last two, you're just, you're just seeing him. Yeah. Those last two, especially I think the stretch in, uh, in a view to a kill. I you and Scott have talked about this before, but the stretch in a view to a kill where he's at the horse, He's like at Zoran's horse mansion yeah. or whatever, and he's just like yeah. smiling and right. just like, like he's wearing like tails, oh, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, just having a good time and just enjoying. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, so totally. yeah, he's what I think. I think Brosnan is kind of the same way in that they both kind of got better as they went along. Uh, uh, but I think my, I think yeah. as I as I you know hinted earlier, my 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 favorite of his is. Uh, is Octopussy, which is, I know, which was one that you and I both like a lot. Would you mind just kind of talking about what is it about that one that you like so much and, like, what kind of grabbed you about it? Yeah, absolutely. I tell you, and that, like, yeah, you said it. I mean, that is really the one that got me. You know, For Your Eyes Only was the one I saw first. Mm. I, I saw that one, and I, and I, I really got the, the bug. Then I saw Octopussy. That was the first one I saw in the movie theater, and I, I just thought, 
wow, that that to me to this day is a home run. First of all, most of the Bond films, or at least a lot of them, the audience is always one step ahead of James Bond because we sort of see the villain's plan and, and we know where the nukes are hidden and we know all these things, and Bond has to sort of follow along. In this one, not so much. This one opens up with a mystery. You know, he, he, the guy being chased through the woods by the clowns with the knives, and, and we have no idea what's going on. Then the guy crashes with the eggs. We have no clue what's going on. The whole film takes us through the journey to actually solve that mystery. Like, we mm-hmm. as the audience don't really get it, but by the time we sort of see Roger Moore in the clown suit, which, again, a lot of people didn't like, but I think they're missing the point. I think this yeah. is like a very Hitchcockian kind of movie. Oh, yeah. You know, so by the time we see that visual, the mystery is now solved, and we get it. And, and that's, I mean, and plus that happens along with the climax, the ticking clock, the time bomb is going to go off. That, to me, is just phenomenal. Yeah. So, I, and there's so many, I, I feel like that's all the great elements of James Bond, the exotic travel, women, uh, food. Uh, I, I mean, just everything is there. So I, I just think this one is like the one, you know, that really sort of sums up Bond in general. I, I completely agree. And I think there's, yeah, you were talking about just how tight the plotting is. I mean, there's so much setup and payoff that's going on. And uh, really up until... Up until the very, you know, the last, like, 20 minutes, half hour where, where he's just kind of chasing the train around. Like, everything up, like, leads up to that moment, and it's, it's really something. Um, there's also... The... It really does. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I mean, but I just, one of the things I just love is that all points sort of converge right as the, as he has to defuse the bomb. Yeah. Again, the, 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 this mystery is sort of solved, and, and this, is, this, this has come to light. And there's the big, you know, countdown where, and, and, and again, we've had countdowns in Bond movies before, but this one, you have a big crowd of people there yeah. too. So the suspense tightened. I mean, it just, it really works. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's literally that Hitchcock thing of like, if you show two people talking in a conversation, you know, at a table, it's going to be boring. But if you show with the camera that there's a bomb under the table, suddenly everything becomes super yeah. interesting. <laughs> it's literally that. Exactly. There's right, also right, uh, so. the, the the middle chunk of that movie just has like like great scene after great scene like when he's at at dinner with Kamal Khan and Magda at the Monsoon Palace and he's he's just like at the risk of yeah. appearing to be making light dinner conversation might I ask why I'm here and stuff like they give him these great lines right yes it really is I mean again I I think people take for granted just how well written that film is right the dialogue is great the screenplay is great everything really does work on a, on a just a superb level yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before about how Moore had to kind of like settle into the to the role. I mean, those those first I mean, he has the bad luck of having his shooting his first two movies based on uh, Tom Mankiewicz scripts, which, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I know we both don't hold in too high regard. <laughs> yeah, right. A little, little cheesy. Fun, but cheesy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, but uh, but you know, if I if I could just kind of, I wondered um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Joe, is uh, have you ever gotten the chance to see any of these in the theaters? Um, I've seen I, well, I, yeah, I, from Octopussy on, I've seen all of Roger Moore's in the theaters. Yeah, yeah, the only one I didn't see, which I'm very much regretting, I didn't see the double feature this week, by the way, uh, because that probably would have given me all the all the, the uh, Roger Moore's. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I've seen them all in the theater. Yeah, that's uh I had this uh I had this experience a couple years ago when uh when Skyfall was coming out. Uh it was like the MoMA was doing they they showed all of them and uh uh this nice. this has been kind of on my mind since uh since Moore passed away, but uh the the one of those that I got to see was uh Spy Who Loved Me. 
And uh, they did it in, this, in their, their big showroom, and it was like 400 seats. The place was packed, and everybody was just like laughing and, and just like cheering and having just the best time. And uh, I'm really I'm very yeah. grateful that I got to, got to see that with all those people because uh, it, it feels like a good way to sort of commemorate his legacy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I could totally imagine. I, I was talking to people who saw the, the uh, double feature last week, and they were mm-hmm. saying, like, you know, like like you said, the, the Spy Love Me, everybody was, was loving and having a good, good time. And then Fear Eyes Only, again, much more thrilling. Yeah. You know, it was much more suspenseful. And you could see that you could see the diff, but everybody was totally on board for both of them. And it's interesting, too, because you know, it's funny because, you know, again, Roger Moore, as much as we love, like, you know, the, the thrilling ones, like Fear Eyes Only and Octopussy, you know, he also did The Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. And I always say it's funny because had I been born just a year or two earlier, Moonraker could have easily been like the movie that introduced me to James Bond. And I could have been like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And I could have been one of those guys who just loves Moonraker, you know, and, <laughs> and the other ones not so much. So, but again, it just goes to show like Roger Moore really does, um, you know, he kind of went the whole gambit as far as his movies go. But and one of the things I think is fascinating about him, too, is that he did, like you said, those Mankiewicz scripts. And then, like the over-the-top, you know, you know, craziness of Moonraker. When they decided to sort of bring it back down to earth, they didn't need to recast. They just told him, "Let's do it differently," and he did it, and he pulls it off. He oh yeah, it. yeah. And that says something. Like for a guy who can do something, you know, you know, corny and silly like Moonraker, and then shift gears and do Fear Eyes Only an Octopus, and it's believable. You know, it's convincing. I mean, that says something about him. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 really he's such a great. He's such a great actor, and I think he underrates himself as an actor too. Yes, I, I definitely agree with that too. He he does. He's very he is very self deprecating. I think he's made the joke about how his uh his his, his left eyebrow does all the work. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, he he really does. He he's he's able. He's got a range that people again he, because because he's this kind of he's this nice guy. And he's he sort of has. I mean, he, he is a good looking guy. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, this is a guy like if 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 if, if God sculpted the perfect looking guy yeah. and then there's Roger Moore's face. That's right. You know? And so I think people sort of sort of brushed him off and said, you know, oh, well he's a good looking guy, that's about it. He's he's charming. But he but he he can do these different roles. I mean this the scenes of him one of my favorite scenes of him is uh in Fear Eyes Only when he you know, when Columbo finally captures him and, yeah. and Columbo's trying to convince him that he's a good guy. Yeah. And James Bond is kind of skeptical, doesn't doesn't know where he sits yet. That's a really good scene. Yeah, you know, I mean, that that to me is like you want to see you want to see Roger Moore really sort of delivering a, a performance that's pretty nuanced. That's the one to check out. Yeah, I I could not agree more. I think that one is is such a it's a really really great entry in the uh, in the series. Um, but since you know since we're talking about uh, Roger Moore, I know you have uh, you you have a little bit of connection with him because you got to work a little bit on his uh, his book Bond on Bond that I mentioned earlier in the show. Right. <laughs> If you could, you, would yeah. you mind telling that story a little bit? Yeah, and again, it's, it's not much, and I can't take a whole lot of credit. In fact, yeah. if anything, I kind of I, I jumped on my good friend David Zeritsky's coattails for that one because uh, basically he was asked for some photos of his collection. He's got he's got a, If you don't know David Zeritsky, he's got an extensive collection of James Bond props. Um, you know, either either replica props or you know screen used, mm-hmm. and he was going to submit some of those for his book. And of course, but then he said, you know, hey, by the way, can you do my photography? And I said, sure. So I went over and we, you know, set up our little studio and we took pictures of his props. 
and uh, sent it in. So, of course, it was like, uh, so, oh, do I get my name in here too? Sure. <laughs> Here's my name. Here's my web address. Here's beingamesbond.com. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, the Bond on Bond. I got a nice little, nice little, little, little snippet in the, in the, uh, the last couple pages. And, uh, but I, I tell you what, but I did get a signed book from Roger Moore, and I even kept the rapper. I even kept the rapper that it came in. Oh, really? UK address, Roger Moore, yada, yada. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so I have it. It's signed, Joe, thanks for the help and everything, Roger Moore. So oh, that's, that, was, that was my my brush with, with greatness. For right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that's what an incredible thing to have, though. I mean, that's incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. Just having again, just just the fact that he signed it and said thank you, it was terrific. That's amazing. Um, well, I, I know, yeah, I know, you got a long day ahead of you, so I don't want to keep you for too long. But just as a, as sort of a final question and a little uh, plug for your show, I mean, what what can we expect from being James Bond this year? Uh, being James Bond, I am very hard at work. I, I started getting into shooting videos, and I actually just just uh, this past weekend was in Miami and Key West. Uh, shooting some video that I, I want to, you know, just, just highlight some of the locations. Again, oh, wow. Bond is all about travel and it's all about lifestyle. And so these are some great places to visit. And of course, there's, there's Bond locations, filming locations there. So uh, I've been doing that. And um, so, yeah, more videos soon, more podcasts soon. And definitely Being James Bond Volume 2 will be out this year. Uh, volume 1 is still available, obviously. Hint, hit, nudge, nudge. <laughs> and uh, Volume 2 will be out at the end of this year for sure. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait to uh, to keep following the show, and uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You know, as much either the Bond movies have obviously meant a lot to me over the years, but your uh, your show has meant a lot to me too. It's just been, it's been a huge part of my uh, my experience of the movies as a fan. So it's very fun for me to get to talk to you. Excellent. Thank you, Colby. That's very very nice of you to say, and uh, thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. I'm glad you had a great time, and uh, we'll talk soon. I did. I very very much so. And thanks again. I'll talk <laughs> to you soon. All right. We'll talk then. All right, take care, buddy. You too. Joe Darlington, a.k.a. head of section of Being James Bond, right here on Young Persons Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn, uh, with me, your host, uh, Colby Smith. I want to see if I've got the, uh, the does, does the music work now? If so, we'll take a little break. Uh, maybe. Nope. Okay. All right. Great. Tech's still, uh, still having... Still having issues. Well, nothing we can't handle. We got some calls on the line. Let's take them. Uh, this is young person. 904-606-0842. If you want to call in, that's 904-606-0842. Uh, we got a caller on the line right now. Caller, welcome to the program. Hello, Colby. Oh, well, uh, a caller from across the pond, I take it. Well, this is Ian Fleming, and I just wanted to say what a delight your little show has been for my Sunday <laughs> evening because it's i'm in london foggy london town it's just it's wonderful oh my god ian Fleming. so for, this is the author of the james bond the guy who created james bond author of all the novels well that's the thing i wrote all the james bond novels and i'm positively tickled you've enjoyed them so oh well but i'm thinking if you like them so much you'd probably like my more recent series your more recent what my more recent book series, you know. Okay, okay. Uh, I don't know about it. I, I, I feel like a bad fan I, here, but tell me about it. Oh, no, not at all. I've, I, most, it's very popular, but there's not a lot of overlap with the James Bond. It's, it, it, this is a series of books called The Saddle Club. The it's Shadow Club. Young girls. The Saddle Club. Oh, The Saddle. Oh, The Saddle. Wait, Ian Fleming wrote The Saddle Club? 
Absolutely, I did. It's my finest work, my opus, and perhaps what I'm best known for around the world. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm sorry to laugh, uh, Ian. Um, you know, if, it's not if, funny. I'll, I'll, check, I'll check it. I mean, what happens in it? What happens in it? Yeah. Three adolescent girls find what it means to be friends and what it means to, I don't know, have self-esteem and other stuff uh, through, you know, the magic of equestrian uh, activities, a.k.a. horse riding for you, um, you know, Yanks. Yes, they sorry. Yanks say equestrian? We, I mean, I, I know. equestrian in America? I know the term, but only because, uh, you know, I'm a, a bit of an Anglophile. Sure, sure. <laughs> anyway, so imagine you're a girl and, uh, you know, you're in middle school or what have you. Uh, and uh, it, you, you like to ride horses. Now, uh, maybe you're a perfectionist. Maybe you're a bit of a tomboy. Mm. Uh, maybe you, uh, you've got a rich dad and he doesn't, you know, get your deal, but he just sort of throws money. Uh, th- these are the kinds of characters that populate the Saddle Club, and they all sort of cross paths in various ways. But the, the, obviously, the, uh, the underlying theme that unites them is uh, horses. Mm. They ride horses. Yes, of course. And it's cool. So, Ian, what uh, what inspired you to you know uh, really you know go go for this uh, in the in the you know in your post James Bond well, life? As most people know, I was in MI6 for a very long time. You know, spying. Oh, and you were. Guns. I didn't know that you were. That's that's wild. I was in MI6, and then I retired. And I decided to write James Bond about, you know, my experiences. Oh, so all of that uh, stuff just just happened to you. You were, like, writing about your real life? Exactly. And then, wow. while I was retired, I started riding horses uh, with a group of headstrong young girls from various backgrounds. And after doing that for a few years, I thought, now this would be a great series of books. Uh, so I just did that again. I wrote books about my real life experiences. <laughs> the saddle. So you lived the saddle club. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it was me, Steffi, Blake, who's a girl, and uh, sure. Georgina. And we were all best friends, and we were in a best friend club that no one else was allowed in. And uh, you know, you've have you've been in a tight knit group of best friends, haven't you, Colby? Sure, sure. Well. We said we'd be friends forever, uh, but, uh, you know, we eventually drifted apart. Uh, and in my sorrow, I decided to m- memorialize those times together through, you know, young adult literature. Mm. Well, uh, uh, you seem very uninterested. No, not uninterested at all. I just, I, I'm just having, you know, I had such a, uh, uh, such a uh, defined image of the kind of, uh, the kind of guy you were, and I, I just, it just, it didn't incorporate this. If your idea of masculinity something that excludes best friends and horses <laughs> and the power of friendship and believing in yourself and you know school rivalries with other girls who are maybe prettier than you, but they don't believe in horses oh. as much as you do. <laughs> do those things live in a, in a, in a sphere outside your concept of masculinity? Well, you know, part of my, uh, you know, part, part of this show is, uh, the journey, uh, that I'm on to, to expand my horizons, 
Uh, and you James know, you're. James Bond loves horses. What? James Bond loves horses. He, he never we talks know... about it in the books or the movies, but he does. We we you know we saw we see him ride horses from time to time. As a matter of fact. Yeah, but he loves them. He doesn't ride them for utilitarian purposes. He rides them because he has a special bond with them. And that's Ian Fleming's big reveal for all the fans listening right now. Oh Remember God. when J.K. Rowling told people Dumbledore was gay like years later? Yeah. This is my equivalent of that. This that is... James Bond loves horses. That's... <laughs> and he cries when they die. He cries when they die, Colby. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Great. I mean... This is uh this this is a scoop. This is a a good old fashioned scoop for uh for young so, persons uh, radio. Get ready for the Twitter storm that's going to be following that one. Oh, I cannot I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Hashtag bond horses. <laughs> Hashtag bond horses. Okay, everybody Hashtag listening, please get some get some uh get some uh you know tweet with the hashtag bond horses and get some get some uh, uh you know some traffic back to young person to ypr listen colby yes i'm on a very very long train right now oh okay interesting You're calling in transit let's see that that fits with my image of ian fleming right yes well you know ever since the saddle club disbanded i've uh, never been able to use that form of transportation ever again. <laughs> so I'm mostly a train man now. Okay, sure. Yeah. Colby, I'm trying to get off the phone with you. Okay, okay. Well, listen, Ian, I, I really okay. appreciate I, you listening and uh, and calling and, and divulging these secrets. Uh, I, I hope to talk to you again. Hashtag bone horse, hashtag horse love. Okay, uh, okay, bye. Good day, Colby. Wow, Ian Fleming calling from beyond the grave uh, to this very show. Uh, 904-606-0842 is our number. That's 904-606-0842. I had a a bunch of stuff, a bunch of of multimedia stuff planned uh, for this back quarter of the show. But um, uh, I'll be damned if the cord isn't working for the tech. Um, Great. Just, well, maybe, you know what? Should we give it a try? Should we give it a try? Maybe try this other thing. See if it works. And no. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, you know, you try. sometimes you try things, and uh, sometimes they don't work out. Some things I wanted to do at the beginning of the show that uh, I wanted to get, get to the interview with Joe before, uh, before this, but... So, everybody, you guys, we were talking about James Bond. You remember that scene in, uh, in Train Spotting? Uh, where uh, they're like doing all these drugs, right? They're doing all these drugs and train spotting. They're really they're they're breaking they're breaking through the stuff us norms can never even imagine. They're doing all these drugs, and they're like the one guy's like Goldfinger's better than Doctor No, but neither of them, but both of them are better than what whatever. And then there's one where he's like, uh, oh yeah, both of them are better than Diamonds Are Forever. Which is reflected by its poor box office performance. In that regard, Thunderball was a notable success. This movie has been misleading people about James Bond uh, uh, films for uh, uh, for for ever since it came out in what, like two thousand one? I don't I don't know two thousand one. Let's say let's say two thousand one. Uh, but uh, so this is the definitive ranking, according to me, of the James Bond movies. Okay, we're gonna set the record straight. We're gonna correct uh, train spotting. Okay, this is all of them, all of them in order. I worked on this. Will it evolve over time? 
Probably. Does it affect my own subjective interaction with the series and not uh, objective aesthetic criteria? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Am I going to give it to you anyway? Yes, I am. Starting now. Number one, the best James Bond movie, Dr. No. They never got it that right again. Number two, Octopussy. That's right. Watched it on Friday. That holds up. Number three, From Russia with Love. Connery, back again. Number four, is this one probably too high? Yeah. Do I like it more than most of these other ones? Yep, I do. Number four, The World is Not Enough, the Pierce Brosnan from 1999. Number five, Thunderball. Number six, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number seven, GoldenEye. Number eight, Casino Royale. Number nine, Goldfinger. Number 10, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number 11, For Your Eyes Only. Number 12, The Living Daylights. Number 13, Die Another Day. Number 14, A View to a Kill. Number 15, You Only Live Twice. Number 16, Tomorrow Never Dies. Number 17, Skyfall. Number 18, License to Kill. Number 19, Live and Let Die. Number 20, The Man with the Golden Gun. Number 21, Moonraker. Number 22, Diamonds Are Forever. Number 23, Spectre. And rounding it out at number 24, the worst Bond movie of all time, Quantum of Solace. Yes, the worst. Oof. I should also mention, since we're ranking things... Uh, uh, by the way, 904-606-0842 is our number. That's 904-606-0842 if you want to call in. Uh, call in and talk about Bond with me for these last about uh, 13 minutes. Um, I should mention that GoldenEye is the best James Bond video game, of course, followed by Everything or Nothing in 2004, followed by Nightfire in 2002, followed by Agent Under Fire in uh, 2001 with a special uh, honorable mention to uh, 007 Racing, which... <laughs> came out in 2000, and the others uh, uh, scarcely bear, bear comment. You know, I was thinking about it, just watching these Bond movies, right? And uh, there's a scene in GoldenEye at the end. We're, we're all familiar with GoldenEye, yes. This is Pierce Brosnan's first outing as Bond in 1995. And so at one point, he, he goes up against another 00 agent who's gone bad, 006, Alec Trevelyan, played by Sean Bean. And at one point, they're facing off at this, like, satellite installation in Cuba. That's a long story as to how we got there. Well, watch the movie if you're curious. So at one point, uh, uh, they're fighting. He and 006 are fighting, and 006 runs out of ammo, right? So he's going to call, he's gonna call this, this, his, like, helicopter to come and, like, like, met, like shoot at Bond or, like, do, do something. I don't know. So he takes out his radio, and he says... Alpha 1 to gunship. Alpha 1 to gunship. Like that? Like, he picked Alpha 1 as his, co- as his code name, as if there was any... As, like, it's like... As if there was any, like, humility in this guy. He's just like, yeah, I think, like, yeah, I think my code name will be Alpha 1, in case. Because just, like, Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet, but just Alpha alone is not enough. Why well, don't I remind everybody that I'm number 1, so I'm going to be Alpha 1. It's like... Yeah, my code name is going to be Big Daddy Cool Guy. Everybody. Big Daddy Cool Guy to gunship. Big Daddy Cool Guy to gunship. Bond is alive. This is Big Daddy Cool Guy. Again, uh, 904-606-0842 is our number. That's 804. Uh, 904-606-0842. We have a call on the line right now, as a matter of fact. Um, caller, welcome to the program. Who am I speaking to? This is Alpha One. Oh, Alpha One. 006, why you gotta steal all that money from the Bank of England? I, I need 
need to buy a new fish tank. <laughs> a new fish tank. My fish tank broke. This is a voice I know. Who, who, who's, who's calling? This is Justice. I just oh, there he is. Justice. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Justice. How are you this morning, my friend? Grant, I just woke up. I got to catch a little bit of the show. I, I missed the beginning. Oh, that's I, okay. I turned on to hear, to hear you doing a little bit of the ranking, and I heard you talk about GoldenEye. Yeah. I got to see this movie. That sounds great. You never saw GoldenEye? I still have not seen GoldenEye, no. Maybe today I'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, it's available. You know, it's out there. It's out there? I can, like, uh, how do I get it? Who is your favorite James Bond, Justice? Sean Connery. Sean Connery, okay, yeah, yeah. Just like everybody else. Just like everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Just like everybody else. What's your favorite, what's your favorite Sean Connery zinger? You know, he's always got a zinger ready. I don't know if I have one. Okay. Do you like the part, I like the one in Diamonds Are Forever. Where uh, there's like a uh, very well-endowed woman uh, leaning over the craps table. And she says, hi, I'm Plenty. Plenty O'Toole. And uh, Sean Connery goes, named after your father, perhaps? (laughs) Yeah, I got that one. Got Uh, it. That one got you. That one got you. (laughs) But what about the the one from uh, the Pierce Brosnan one from The World Is Not Enough? Uh Uh-huh. Which one? About... About uh, Christmas. Oh yeah, Christmas. That that one's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I'm gonna I listeners. Know, I uh, say that on the radio. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I mean, I can because I uh, it's just uh, internet radio, so I can say whatever I want. But I'm not gonna because uh, I have no, standards. I think the FCC will start regulating internet radio. If say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all hinging on my performance this morning. <laughs> which is tech-free. Justice, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I put all tell this me. I put all this work this week. I was like, I said at the top of the show, I was like, I, I, didn't, I, I wanted to do this when I wanted to do this show because I knew it was going to take a lot of work. And so I get it. I don't book a guest. You know, I mean, I have, my, I have my call-in guest, but I don't have anybody in the studio. It's just me in here. And I'm like, I, I've got, you know, music is such an important part of the James Bond series. It really helps, like, set the tone. So I had all these songs and all these sound effects queued up, right? And I even made I made this this uh, tribute to Roger Moore with like some like sound clips of his movies, right? Uh, and like over "Nobody Does It Better" by Carly Simon. Uh, and uh, uh, I've got it all queued up here. I've got it ready to go. And um, uh, I bet it's not going to work because the because uh, the cord for the laptop isn't isn't working. I I I the cord the cord. So. Um, you know. In the meantime, Justice, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. I heard James. I heard 007 would have a good court. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he's out there, maybe he can he, he can drop in from the ceiling and help me out. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Justice, Justice, calling in. A friend, friend of the show, friend of the show. And look, there's one thing I want to get in here before the end, and that is, I, I know these movies are dumb. Of course they're dumb. They got, right? Like, just those little, little adolescent boy fantasies. Of course they are. But I don't think that means they are inherently valueless. I think there's a lot of value in that. I mean, there are some dangerous parts, sure. I mean, it's just as a modern 21st century. It's where we live in. You know, our sensibilities have evolved since, you know, 1962. 
Uh, but I, but I, I don't think it means they they uh, they they're you know they should be they should be written off entirely. I think I think I'm, I'm well within my in my rights to like and enjoy them still. So there's this this guy this guy Jacob Backrack right this guy Jacob Backrack who I like a lot as a writer he's really great. When Skyfall came out he had this very good uh, very good piece on Bond that I want to read uh, a, 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 a excerpt of and it is as follows. Everyone is all like Daniel Craig is the best James Bond ever, except, of course, for Daniel Craig, who is a fine actor and knows that the whole thing is shit or bollocks or whatever the Brits say. I guess James Bond was fine back when casual murder of women could be chalked up to no, no homo and a few laughs, but now it's all Heath Ledger killing poor Maggie Gyllenhaal in order to signify that this crap is dark and gritty and realistic. Well, it's, reali it's realistic that society hates women, all right, but at least the 60s were halfway honest about it instead of dressing it up as a psychological realism and passing it off as a form of world-weary sophistication. I guess festooning, over, uh, festooning your rape-murder tree with baubles of cosmopolitan disapproval makes for a better holiday, but you still have a rape-murder tree in the middle of your house. Anyway, Daniel Craig knows that Bond sucks, and that's why he's subtly trying to get out of it. Like every other dead franchise, the 21st century has seen fit to torture Bond back into existence through the moody application of Shadow. Getting blood on your shirt somehow imbues that fight on top of the train with the weight of actuality. Yeah, no. It just makes the unreality more noticeable. It sandbags the balloon that is your suspension of disbelief. That smoke coming from the engine under the right wing? That's the or capacity for fantasy and wonder being overtaxed. You see, James Bond has nothing to say about the world we live in now. It is about guns, fucking, and fast boats. The next time your grandma, the Washington Post columnist, disapproves of, quote, those rap videos, show her any Bond flick which glorifies precisely the same acquisitive, casually murderous booty shaking, albeit with a crackpot post-imperial nationalism, as the crispy white stand-in for the hood. Substitute Compton or the Dirty South or whatever for the sceptered aisle and you get the picture. Bond is a rap video for white people, straight up. And he's right. Of course he's right. This, it's, a lot of this stuff is, is indefensible. You got the sexism, you have the misogyny, whatever. Like I said, it's a male fantasy. But they're really fun. <laughs> I have no intellectual uh, uh, defense for what Jacob Bacharach says. And, and, and uh, you know, essentially what he's taking aim at is a lot of, like, the, the, the you know, the comic book. I mean, yeah, I would call James Bond a comic book hero, sure. Um, a lot of what he's taking aim at is that, is that stuff. Um, so uh, I want to try and play this uh, for the last little bit. I want to thank everybody for, uh, uh, for, for joining in. And I especially want to thank Joe Darlington for joining us for the uh, AKA head of section uh, uh, for the interview. I really appreciate that. Uh, it was really fun to talk to him. And uh, uh, I just want to say too, that, you know, it's, it's, everybody gets really weird around celebrity deaths. A lot of people take them too hard. Uh, <laughs> and other people just think it's stupid. I, all I will say is I'm very sad that Roger Moore is dead. Uh, he lived a full, full life. He was 89 years old. So, of course, you know, it was, certainly wasn't a surprise when he died, but it was a shock. And, uh, it, you know, his, his bond in particular brought me a lot of joy, even up, you know, through the, through the last couple of years. Uh, so I, I want to celebrate his life uh, as best I can. And uh, I'm going to try and s I'm going to see if this um, uh, video will uh, play. Uh, because it is something I made uh, for uh, for this show in particular, um, and it doesn't look like it's. Let's see. I'm gonna give it one more chance. Give it one more chance, y'all. And we're not getting there. <sighs> okay. Well.
crushed by tech again. Uh, all I will say, folks, is thank you for listening uh, to the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. I appreciate everybody who called in, especially Ian Fleming, who uh, managed to resurrect himself for just such an occasion. Um, and we will be back. We'll be back soon. We won't be back next week. I want to make that very clear. We will not be back next week uh, because uh, I will be out. Um, but there will be a rerun, and then we'll be back with a new episode um, shortly thereafter. Uh, so thank you to everybody uh, for listening. Uh, this has been Young Persons Radio with me, your host, Colby Smith, right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, we have talk shows for the rest of the day uh, here at the studio, um, uh, followed quickly by Points of Order, the great sports talk show, and there's the Stroll Show after that, uh, which is music interviews. And uh, f- uh, at 1 o'clock this afternoon, we have Objection to the Rule, which is, as I say every week, sort of Radio Free Brooklyn's answer to the like Sunday morning political talk shows. So they're going to be going over the news of the week. Uh, Congress is in recess, for example, uh, so I'm sure we're going to be talking about uh, ways to get in touch with your representatives. Uh, I don't want to speak for Ori, but uh, you know he's uh, got a full show ahead of us. Uh, again, thank you everybody for listening and uh, 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 pour one out for old Raj this morning. Uh, this is, you know, I, I, I hopefully next week the tech will be working and so I can, I can follow up with this, uh, this thing I made. So hopefully you guys can hear that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, check out Being James Bond, uh, especially the, the, the movie reviews are probably the best way to get into the show, but uh, they also, he also does great episodes on, on some of the destinations that Bond has traveled to and some of the cuisine and uh, you know, some of that stuff. So that, that, the real world intersection has always been uh, uh, really a really great part of Joe's show, so uh, check that one out. And of course, uh, Being James Bond Volume 1 uh, uh, is available somewhere, although I can't do a, a, too much of a plug. I know I can do it. I can do a plug. I just can't enrich myself on this thing. Uh, well, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will be back next week on Young Persons Radio with me, Colby Smith. Uh, this is on Radio Free Brooklyn. Stay tuned for Points of Order. Bye, everybody.